0: You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hi, I'm Lockie and today's reading picks up right where we left off last week, uh, continuing with the commissioning of the twelve. Um, And Jesus is getting ready to send out his uh, 12 disciples um, into the world. So it's Matthew 10, uh, verses 16 through to 31. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Uh, At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated because of me by everyone, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes again. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters, If the head of the house had been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold from a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. You might have heard about the newspaper ad taken out by the Arctic explorer Ernest Shackleton. Trying to recruit people for his polar expedition, this is how the ad read. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success. As the story goes, about 5,000 people responded to that ad, wanting to sign up for this dangerous but exciting mission. Now, unfortunately, it seems like this probably never happened. No one's been able to actually find this newspaper ad, and it's probably an urban myth rather than a true story. But it made me think of this passage, where Jesus is sending his disciples out on mission, and Jesus' recruitment ad might have been something like this people wanted for hazardous mission, small wages, arrests, floggings, trials, hatred and name calling ahead, mixed results expected, honour and recognition only when the Son of Man returns. Jesus warns his disciples and us too of the challenge and even the danger of going out on mission for him. Is this something that we would really want to sign up for? I mean, Come on, Jesus, work on your marketing strategy. But if this is a reality for them and perhaps for us as well, then we need to look at it honestly and openly. We need to grapple with it and we need to think about why would we be on mission for Jesus if this is the reality that we might face? I reckon you can sum up this passage succinctly by using five animals. That's right. You heard me right. Five animals. Here's what Jesus says. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, because you are worth more than sparrows. Seems like Jesus really does love his animal analogy. And it's going to take a bit of unpacking that, but let's jump into the passage and unpack it together. Matthew ten sixteen starts like this. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus outlines for his disciples that mission is challenging and even dangerous. A sheep among wolves is likely to get torn to shreds. If you want a more Diamond Creek version of this analogy, you might say, I'm sending you out like chickens amongst foxes. Now, we know that if we don't lock up our chooks at night, what the result is going to be. So it's a dangerous situation, and Jesus goes on to describe the dangers that his 12 disciples will face. They'll be handed over to local councils, verse 17. They'll be arrested. They'll be flogged in synagogues, verse 17. They'll get beaten up. They'll be brought before governors and kings, verse 18. They're going to be put on trial. They'll be hated by everyone verse 22, even by members of their own family, verse 21. They'll be persecuted, verse 23, and they'll have to be constantly on the move in order to keep safe. They'll be called names, verse 25. Uh, Jesus himself uh, is said that he is doing all the things he's doing by the power of Satan or Beelzebul, and the same treatment will be given out to his followers as well. It's quite a list, isn't it? Arrest beatings, trials, hatred, persecution, name-calling. Where do I sign up? But Jesus is being brutally honest with his disciples. He wants them to be prepared for what they're about to face. He really wants them to count the cost of mission, if you like, that it will be hard and dangerous. And what Jesus predicted for these 12 followers is what happened in practice as well. That's what they actually experienced. You only have to read through the book of Acts in the New Testament to hear the sorts of things that they went through. They really were sheep among wolves, mission is challenging, and it's dangerous. Well, that's them. What about us? How much of what Jesus says here and predicts here for his first followers and their mission in Galilee applies to us as his followers on mission today. Speaking personally, I've never been beaten up or arrested for my faith. And I'm guessing you're the same. But there are Christians around the world right now where this does happen. And if we're thinking about being sent out by Jesus, it's possible that Jesus might send us to a place where we might experience that i mean even closer to home on a saturday night here in our church building we have a persian church that meets in our building and if they were to go back to iran then as followers of jesus they would be arrested and beaten and worse for their faith so it's not as far away as we think but if we turn our attention to hatred and name-calling, well, that's even closer still, isn't it? You might have experienced this already as you've been on mission for Jesus. And I think it's likely to get worse. So 30 years ago, if you were to say to someone that you are a follower of Jesus and you go to church, the likely response you would get is that you are a good person Um, even if people didn't agree with you, they might not have agreed with you, but they would have at least thought that you were sort of a moral person, a good person because you're following Jesus. Well, the opposite is now true. As a follower of Jesus and someone who goes to church, you are more likely to be thought of as a bad person and someone who is immoral for those things. A 2017 Ipsos poll surveyed 20 countries about their views on religion, and one of the questions was this, do you agree with this statement, religion does more harm in the world than good? Now, in the US, 39% of people agreed with that statement. We think of the US as a very religious nation, but 39% of people thought that religion was more harmful than it is good. In Britain, the number was even higher. 61% of people agreed with that statement, right? That's that's a comfortable majority who see religion as more harmful than good. Okay, that's there. What about here? What about good old, easy going, laid back Australia? Well, 63% of Australians agreed with the statement. 63% of Australians believe that religion does more harm than good. And in fact, of the 20 countries surveyed, only one country, Belgium, scored higher on that question with 68%. I mean, just pause there. Just let that sink in. This is the context of mission for us today. Now, it might be lessened in an area like Diamond Creek. It might be different, and it is different, I think, for different age demographics. But the reality is that if we're on mission for Jesus, if we're being honest and upfront about our faith, if we're trying to live consistently with the teachings of Jesus, and if we're encouraging people to come under Jesus' rule and reign in their own lives, then name-calling and hatred will increasingly be expected. The context of mission for Aussies has changed. It's it's not a level playing field. We're battling uphill. We're battling uphill in the wake of sexual abuse scandals, perceived bigotry and hypocrisy. Sure, we might try and distance ourselves and say, you know, that, that's those Roman Catholics or that's those fundamentalists or that's those uh, Americans with their right-wing views. But the reality is if we're on Team Jesus and on mission for Team Jesus, then it's an uphill battle and a difficult context. We're sheep among wolves and mission is going to be challenging and even dangerous. So what should we do in the face of this challenge, right? If you're a sheep surrounded by wolves, what are you supposed to do? Well, before I listed the dangers that Jesus outlines in this passage, but he also lists a whole number of commands as well. Be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, verse 16. Be on your guard, verse 17. Do not worry, verse 19. Do not be afraid, verse 26. Do not be afraid, verse 28. Do not be afraid, verse 31. So the challenge of mission is a reality for them and for us. But we're not to run away from it. But at the same time, we also need to be sensible and wise about how we engage with this challenge. We're told to be wise or shrewd as serpents on the one hand, and as innocent as doves on the other hand. I think it captures it beautifully trying to do those two things at the same time. So Jesus wants us to be smart and to use our heads on mission. We need to think about ways that we're going to connect with a sceptical and indifferent audience. Sure, we can jump up on the nearest street corner, uh, pull out our King James Bible and start preaching, but that's probably not wise and strategic. It it, it might draw persecution, but will it be effective? No, we actually need some strategy and thinking in order to be effective in mission. So what are the things that our culture values? Are there points of connection where we can bring the good news of Jesus? What are the needs that we see around us that Jesus meets and we as followers of Jesus as a church might meet? On the flip side, what are the things that are immediately going to get people's backs up against us and are things that should be perhaps best avoided at first? We might believe them to be true, but you don't necessarily lead with them right from the front. Now, we've got to be careful here, don't we? We don't want to be manipulative. We don't want to be deceitful. And that's where these two things come together. We've got to be as innocent as doves, uh, straightforward and acting with integrity, as well as being shrewd or wise as serpents. So we don't go out there trying deliberately to be jerks in order to bring suffering on ourselves. We need to act with integrity, consistency and love, and we've got to couple it with wisdom and strategy what's more this is not just about our own clever clever missional thinking everything we do has to be done in reliance on god's holy spirit so the command in this passage do not worry comes in the context of facing trial having to go before kings and governors and this is what jesus says to his followers do not worry about what to say or how to say it at that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now throughout this series, we've been wanting to emphasize that God is on mission and he calls us to be on mission with him. God is at work. And our job is to align ourselves with the things that God is already doing. And here, Uh, Our passage goes even a little bit further and says that in stressful situations, God by his spirit will give us the words that we're to say. Now, a number of times when I've been in difficult gospel conversations where the other person's quite uh, aggressive and anti-Christian, one of the things that I've really tried to do is to be slow to speak, to shut up and not try and fight, fight, fight back, but to listen and to pray while I'm listening and ask God for his words to speak. To ask God, what's going to be really helpful here? How am I going to promote Jesus to this person rather than just to try and win an argument? So Jesus tells us not to worry, reminding us that he's on mission, that his spirit is at work in us as well as in other people. So in the words of the great John Farnham, take the pressure down. It's not up to us. It's not up to us to convince or convert people in our own strength and power. It's a great relief, isn't it, to know that, that it's it's God who does these things. We just need to trust him and rely on his spirit to be with us as we go. Well, the other command that we're given here is actually the most common command in the whole of the Bible. Do not be afraid. It's repeated three times in this passage alone. And each time this command is given, a promise accompanies it, a reason, if you like, not to be afraid. Uh, And that brings us to the last of our five animals and the last point in my talk, that you are worth more than sparrows, the promises of God as we face the challenge of mission. Now, if I was one of these 12 disciples and I was about to face arrest, flogging, trial, hatred, persecution, and name-calling, frankly, my response would be fear, right? It seems natural, doesn't it? Fear is a natural response to danger. Fight or flight, and I'm a flight sort of guy. Like, where is the nearest exit? How do I get out of this situation? So what I really need, I really need to hear from Jesus here personally Why, Jesus, shouldn't I just chicken out and run away? Well, Jesus' first reason is in verse 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Jesus' first promise is don't be afraid because the truth will be made known. People might accuse you of being immoral or deceitful. People might bad mouth you and say you're crazy because you follow Jesus. But the reality will be broadcast worldwide one day and be known by everyone. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is the one that God has seated on the throne as the ruler of the whole universe. Jesus is Lord. That's our message in a nutshell. And one day everyone will know it. Every knee will bow before Jesus the Lord. Which is why we want to tell people about it now so that they can respond to him in time. We believe it's an objective reality. It's it's not a nice to know uh, if it's your type of thing. It is actually true that Jesus is the ruler over all things and all people are called to respond to him as lord that truth will be known so we shouldn't be afraid we should speak up and share that reality jesus second reason is given in verse 28 do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul second reason jesus gives us is don't be afraid because death is not the end. Now, when faced when with real physical threats and danger, of course, we'd be tempted to run away. Uh, the great weapon of tyrants is to try and silence people by threatening them and even killing them. But Jesus says, you know, death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Death is not the end. And in fact, as we look at Jesus, by his resurrection from the dead, he defeats death. He smashed the great weapon of the tyrant and he promises that for those who trust in him, for those who follow him, we too will be raised from the dead as he's been raised from the dead. Now, I don't know in the context of challenge and mission how comforting that is for you. Um, I mean, death seems so final and so complete, doesn't it? Uh, Physical harm is scary. And again, the sort of persecution that's being spoken about here is is a bit distant from us. But I imagine that if I was faced with the threat of death as an immediate reality, if I was a follower of Jesus in somewhere like Afghanistan, North Korea, or, or Somalia, the three most dangerous places on the planet for Christians today, then this is exactly what I would need to hear. They can kill you, but they won't win. God is the one who is in charge of your body and your soul. And Jesus is the victor, even over death itself. Keep trusting him. Keep following him. Keep proclaiming him. Well, lastly, the third reason is, in, is given in verse 31. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Finally, you say, the sparrows. You've got to the fifth animal, Tim. What Jesus is speaking about here is God's sovereign care of all parts of his creation, that he knows everything that is going on. The hairs on our heads are counted, which is easier for some of us than for others. And a sparrow, a tiny, seemingly insignificant bird, a sparrow won't fall to the ground without God knowing about it. And you, precious, loved follower of Jesus, are so much more valuable than a sparrow. So if the other promises that are given here are big picture and future focused, you know, truth will come out in the end, death will be defeated. This promise zooms in on the personal and the present. That God knows your struggles right now. If you're someone who's been trying to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus, you've been trying to act with integrity and with love, you've been looking for opportunities to share the hope that you have with Jesus. And that faithfulness has proved very costly for you at the moment. Maybe you've lost respect for it. Maybe you've lost a friend as a result of it. Maybe your, your family has pushed you away or given you a hard time because of your faith in Jesus. Jesus reminds us that God knows about those things. God knows the costs and the burdens. God knows you and loves you intimately. We don't have to wait till the end of time when the truth comes out and death is defeated until we get any comfort or help. Now God is listening right now and attentive to our cries right now so that we can bring our struggles to him when we experience them. We've been emphasising again throughout this whole series that that prayer is the key to mission, that God is on mission and we need to pray so that we line up with what he's doing. But prayer is also key as we face challenges and struggles, as we experience pain and difficulty in mission we turn to God and we tell God about those things as well. Uh, Very soon after I started as the senior minister at this church, this is over eight years ago that this incident happened, I was asked to represent uh, the church at a a public function. It was a public event. Most of the people there weren't Christians. And uh, it was a great opportunity. I was really excited, a bit nervous, but excited, to be representing the church and Jesus At this public event I was asked to do a prayer and I would prepared it I'd written the prayer out in full Uh, but when I got up to pray the prayer what I said wasn't exactly what I'd written on my piece of paper I misspoke I don't know how it happened to this day because I literally had the prayer written on the piece of paper in front of me but the effect of what I misspoke actually offended a number of people there without realising what I'd said. Oh, I realised afterwards, particularly when one lady came up and just, I mean, she tore shreds off me over and over again. And I apologised. I was so apologetic, but her anger uh, at me, at the church, uh, just kept kept coming. And I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. Uh, I felt like I'd let the church down. I felt like I'd let Jesus down because of my Dumb gaff. Frankly, I couldn't get away fast enough at the end, you know. And I remember driving away in the car just pouring out my heart to God, saying, God, I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. I stuffed up. I've let you down. Forgive me and help me. Uh, And that comfort came in time, not straight away. So God knows the truth and God will reveal the truth. God's in control of all things, even in control of death itself. God loves us and knows us. We're we're precious to him. So don't be afraid. The reality is that that mission is hard. It's challenging. It's costly. It's even dangerous. And God wants us to be smart, to be wise and strategic, but also to be innocent and to always act with integrity and love. He tells us not to worry. His spirit's at work and his spirit is at work in us as well as the people we're trying to reach. And we're not to be afraid because the truth will come out, death will be defeated, and God cares for us. So we are sheep among wolves. We need to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves because you are far more precious even than a sparrow.